Well, good morning, church family. Uh, we're delighted to be here. Today is Easter Sunday, uh, 2020, our Lord's Resurrection Day, and we, we celebrate that. So today we have a great topic, we have a great passage of Scripture, and we have a great hope of our res- resurrected Lord. Come see the hillside in the dawn, the cross bereft of him who died. See the open cleft that greets the day, the empty wherein he lay. Go quickly, leave the place of death, and swiftly run to those who have not heard the victories won, who watch and wait, make haste to teeming throngs, who need to know from whom the news, unless you quickly go, will come too late. And tell, oh, spread the news as long as you have breath that Jesus holds the keys to hell and to death. His name be praised, for he has risen as he said, and in that glorious rising from the dead, we too are raised. We're going to be in John chapter 20, and um, if you open your scripture to that, we're going to read this passage. Um, Let me give you just a brief heads up of what's going on while you're opening that up. Uh, We're going to begin in verse 10 down through verse 18. But uh, on the first part of the morning, Mary Magdalene came running to the tomb and she was coming to uh, anoint his body. And she got there and she saw that the the stone had been rolled away. And um, so she went and she got, she found Simon Peter and John and and told them that somebody had moved the stone and they, they didn't know where, she didn't know where they had put him, the Lord. And so they ran and, and uh, Peter outpaced John and he ran in and he, he saw the, the grave clothes laying right where they were and um, the, the tomb was empty. And then John came in and, and he saw as well and, and believed. And then that's where we pick up our story this morning. It says in verse 10, it says, So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in the white sitting. One at the head, one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been laying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But I go to my but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Pray with me. 
Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you that on that resurrection day, you, 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 that Easter morning, you, you raised Christ from the dead. Father, what hope that gives us. What joy that we know that we serve a risen Savior. And Father, you are the one who still moves the stones in our lives today. Father, those things that we come up against. And so, Father, I pray that today, as we study your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, that you would guide us in your word, and, Father, that you would convict us of all truth. Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for being our teacher and our guide. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did on the cross for each one of us. And we praise you, Father, for our risen Lord. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So we tune in this morning together to celebrate Easter, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To give praise to a God who moved the stone that day and to a God who still moves the stones, the trials in our lives today. And I would ask the question, what does Easter stand for? And in the multitude of answers, let me just share six of them with you. Uh, They are, if you're taking notes this morning, they're in the form of an acrostic. And so you can just write out the word Easter, E-A-S-T-E-R. And uh, we're going to spell that and you can write those out. And I would submit to you this morning that the E stands for the empty tomb that provides hope for a hopeless world. You know, I read about a well-circulated story about a father and his teenage son who were living in Mexico City, and they, they'd had an argument. It was a knockdown dragout, and the son, uh, Paco, had shouted curses at his father. And he stormed out of the house, and he was gone for days, and days turned to weeks, and weeks turned to months. He never returned. And the father searched the city over, and finally, in desperation, he went down to the newspaper, and he, he put an ad in the, in the paper. And it said, Paco, if you read this, I want you to know that all is forgiven. I love you and I will be waiting for you this Sunday afternoon at the entrance to the city park. I hope that you will show up. Love, Dad. He said that that Sunday morning, 200 Pacos showed up at the park all looking for forgiveness. You see, there are so many people today searching in this world, searching for forgiveness, searching for hope, Searching for meaning. And the good news of Easter is that that empty tomb provides that hope in a hopeless world. You know, in Matthew 12, verse 20 and 21, it says this about God's chosen servant. It says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In his name the nations will put their hope. A bruised reed, a smoldering wick. That describes many people in our culture today. I mean, maybe you've been bruised by the trials of life. Maybe you were bruised by harsh words or by a friend's anger. Maybe by a spouse's betrayal. Or maybe by your own failure or the failure of those around you. Or maybe you feel like a smoldering wick. At one time, your passion for God and His ministry and for life was flaming hot. 
was burning hot and the, and the winds of life have, have blown and now you just feel one step away from the flame going out altogether. See, there are many bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. Even in the Bible, a woman standing before an angry crowd waiting to be punished for her sins. A leper, outcast, shunned by their society. A blind man on the side of the road. A paralytic laying on a stretcher. A woman with a long-term illness. Bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. And the world is so good at breaking those reeds in two and snuffing out those smoldering wicks. But what did Jesus say? He said, a bruised reed I will not break. And a smoldering wick I will not snuff out. In my name, you will put your hope. Folks, that is the great message of Easter. That since Jesus was powerful enough to move the stone and overcome the grave, that He is powerful enough to move the stones that are blocking in my life and in your life. See, the resurrection, it gives us hope. Hope in the fact and hope in the face of the unfairness of this world. It gives us strength and courage in every situation we face. Cherished friends, we need hope. We need strength. And we need courage. You need it, and I need it. We all need the hope of the resurrection. I read a story about a time set back in the Civil War. Seems as if a Union soldier was shot in the arm in the the, the battle of Shiloh. His captain saw that he was wounded and he, he barked out an order. He said, give me that gun, private, and get to the rear. So the private handed over his rifle and he ran to the rear seeking safety. But after going about two or three hundred yards, he came upon another battle. So he ran to the left and he found himself in part of another battle. And he, he ran to the right and he encountered more fighting there. Finally, he ran back to the front line shouting, Give me back my rifle, Captain. There ain't no rear to this battle. Nowhere. Well, it seems when it comes to the troubles in our world, there ain't no rear in this battle. Nowhere. Seems like over and over and over, everywhere we go, it's hopeless. And that's why Easter is such great news. The resurrection validates every promise that Jesus made and is the good news that gives hope and light and encouragement when everything else looks so bleak. Moving on, I would say that the A for Easter is the angel who invited them to look. The gospel writer Matthew he records that when the women came to the tomb, the first thing the angel did was invite them inside. He said, come and see the place where he lay. Take a look at the evidence. And God still invites us to do that today. You can look for yourself. The evidence is there if you want to investigate. An empty tomb. Undisturbed grave clothes. A 2,000 pound stone that's rolled away. Over 515 eyewitnesses to the resurrected Lord. Do you realize that if each one of those people came and witnessed the resurrected Lord, if each one of them that witnessed that 
came and they gave a testimony. I want to say a 15-minute testimony about what they saw. It would take 128 straight hours of testimony that they saw to complete all of those people who saw the Lord after he rose from the dead. Folks, that's over five days worth of testimony, hour after hour after hour. See, the evidence shows that he rose again and that the tomb is empty. I mean, the soldiers, they had no story. They couldn't vouch for what happened. You know, in 2 Timothy 1.12, the Apostle Paul wrote, he said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what, that which I've committed unto him against that day. Note that he didn't say, I know what I have believed, but he said, I know in whom I have believed. See, I'm here this morning and I can tell you the same thing. I know in whom I have believed. And I've searched and I'm persuaded that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, is alive in this world because he makes a difference every day in my life. See, millions of people down through the centuries have met Jesus firsthand, followed him, and they've allowed him to transform their lives. I am one of them. People, some of them were atheists, who set out to prove that Jesus' resurrection did not happen. And, and they ended up overwhelmed by the evidence and the person of Jesus Christ. People like the English journalist Frank Morrison. Lou Wallace, the author of Ben-Hur. Men like Albert Roper, Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell. Scholars like England's Lord Littleton and Gilbert West. Athletes like Deion Sanders and Emmett Smith. Personalities like Mel Gibson. People who at first discounted the resurrection and each of them ended up meeting Jesus Christ himself and decided to follow him as their Lord and Savior. Folks, the evidence is overwhelming. I encourage you to investigate the evidence, the empty tomb. The S in Easter Stands for surprise at the empty grave. You know, when I was a kid, <laughs> some churches back in the day, when they were built, they would put a basement underneath of them. And the basement served as their fellowship hall or a place where the, the, sometimes the children's Sunday school classes met. And, and, and Scott was a little boy. He was about four years old and his dad sent him down uh, into his Sunday school class with his Sunday school offering in hand. And after class, when his dad picked him up, he still had his two quarters clenched tightly in his, in his hand. And his dad asked, asked him, he said, Scott, why didn't you give your offering to Jesus down in your class? And Scott looked at his dad, and with all the seriousness of a four-year-old, he said, Dad, Jesus hardly ever shows up down there. You know, it's a sad commentary. But you see, not many people expect Jesus to show up on that Sunday morning. And what a surprise. What a shock. That his resurrection caused. I mean everyone involved. Was surprised at how it turned out. I mean the soldiers. They didn't have an answer for it. They couldn't explain what happened. The Pharisees were caught trying to come up with a, a plan B. 
what are we going to do now? The religious leaders who thought they had buried the one who challenged their way of life were shocked when the stone was rolled away and Jesus Christ rose victorious over sin and over death and over hell. Folks, this, this is the greatest victory that the world has ever known. In all of time, in all of history, this is the greatest victory that the world has ever known. It is the epicenter, it was the very center of everything in history. Is Jesus' death and resurrection. He is the center point of all of history. He is what life is about. See, I would say also that the T is foretell. The command that we are given after the angel invited the, the surprised women into the tomb, they were told to go and tell this good news to others. The command was given, but this is the one that so many of us choose to ignore. Those of us who have searched and satisfied it in our own lives, we receive Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. And now our command is to go and tell others. However, we sit quietly by as opportunity after opportunity pass right by us. Do you know how most people come to Jesus Christ? Do you know what has been the most effective method of evangelism? The most effective mode of evangelism has been one person inviting another person to come to church with them. Now, you probably thought I was going to say that the most effective mode of evangelism is one person telling another person about Jesus Christ. And I would say to you this morning that that is absolutely the ideal way. And that should be and could be the best way. But the reality is, is that 90 to 95 percent of all commitments to Christ come after a person has accepted an invitation to come to church. A person invites another person to come to church where they hear the gospel and in time invite Jesus into their heart. Like the woman at the well that went back to her town and said, come and see a man who knows all that I've done and still loves me. See, now the responsibility for sharing Christ falls on each one of us. But people are more open to receive it once they come to church, once they experience the body of Christ and they, they open up their lives to the influence of other godly people. See, the heart is prepared and then someone shares the gospel with them and they come to know the Lord. But it starts with someone inviting someone to come to church. Now in these days of social distancing, it may be sharing a link to a YouTube channel. It may be sharing a link to a podcast with a friend or a relative. Or maybe sharing or posting a link on social media so that others can hear the good news of the gospel. Listen, we're all in this mission together. All of us believers are in this mission together and we all have a part to do. I mean, what did the Apostle Paul say? 
He said, I plant, Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. See, we do it together. And people come to know Jesus because grandparents sow seeds. Because Christians pray. Because friends invite. Because people talk. Because those who are tech-savvy post and they, they, they share links. And because preachers preach. And we all do it together. And while we're doing that, God is working in the midst of that. God is at work all around us. See, the Holy Spirit is inviting people into the kingdom. And these circumstances that we are now dealing with are softening people's hearts. When you see the amount of illness, when you see the amount of deaths that are taking place, God is at work in the midst of this, softening people's hearts toward Him and toward His Son, Jesus Christ. In due time, hopefully, people will receive God's gift of salvation and have the opportunity to spend an eternity in heaven. And so, we must continue to go and tell. The second E of Easter stands for excitement that the women felt that morning. <laughs> In an old Good Friday family circus cartoon, little Billy and his brother are, are walking along through a store looking at all the Easter eggs and the candy on the shelves. And Billy says, this may be Good Friday, but Sunday's coming and it's going to be even gooder. That may not be correct English, but it sure is profound. Early that Easter morning, the disciples and the women who were the first to find the empty tomb, they didn't realize how much gooder Sunday was going to be. We don't always see it right away either. I mean, how things are going to turn out. That's how it was for the disciples on Friday and on Saturday. But oh, what a difference a day makes. I mean, there are many of you who may be living today in day one. It's the day of trial. And you're getting hit on all sides. It's here, it's now. Life is crashing in on you. And if you are there, you are in the midst of day one. My encouragement to you this morning is to maintain hope. Maintain hope. Because what a difference a day makes. There are probably, probably even more of you living in day two. Like the disciples maybe on Saturday. The heat of the trial may be over and now is the time of confusion, of frustration, of discouragement. Maybe your faith is weak. Maybe you feel like all the air has been taken out of your sails. The future seems cloudy and the outcome uncertain. If that is where you are, my encouragement to you this morning is to maintain faith. Because my, oh my, what a difference a day makes. See, all of us are facing day three. A day of victory. 
a day of good news, a day of renewed hope. And if you're not there right now, be assured that it is coming because Jesus Christ has won the victory. Day three means hope. Day three means a change of destiny. Day three means victory now and in heaven. But what a difference a day makes. Maintain your hope. Maintain your faith. Be encouraged and excited about day three because day three is coming. <laughs> Man, this is exciting stuff. I mean, this is what day three has in store for all of us. That we will all see the victory in this life. All of us as believers in Jesus Christ have day three coming. A day when we go to be with Him. A day of victory. And we ought to be excited about that. E is for excitement. And R is for the resurrected Lord who is living today. See, Muhammad is still in the grave Buddha is still in the grave. Confucius, Joseph Smith, all still in the grave. Only in Christianity do we find a resurrected Lord. See, only faith in Christ is valid because only Jesus rose from the dead. No other religious leader defeated death, so no other can make these claims. A Sunday school teacher had just finished telling her third graders, about how Jesus was crucified and placed in the tomb and a great stone was sealing the opening. And then wanting to share the excitement of the resurrection, she asked, what do you think Jesus' first words were when He came out of the tomb alive? And a hand shot up in the back in the rear of the classroom and a little arm was attached to it and leaping up out of her chair, a girl excitedly said, I know, I know. And the, the teacher said, good, tell us what Jesus' first words were. And extending her arms high, she said, ta-da! The resurrected Lord is the central event to our faith. He's the ta-da of Christianity. Because of Easter, we know that God in Christ Jesus is more powerful than anything in life or in death. The resurrection is not just another truth that we believe as Christians. It is the very core of our faith. Everything hinges on the resurrection. We realize that when life smacks us right in the face. I read the account recently of a man whose young daughter had died. It was devastating for the family. But in her death, Easter took on a new importance. The father said this, he said, until you stare death eye to eye, Easter is just a word. A nice day with bunny rabbits and eggs. But when someone so precious to you dies, Easter becomes everything. An anchor in a fierce storm. A rock on which you stand. A hope that raises you above despair and keeps you going. Everything hinges on the resurrection. In our darkest, deepest moments, when we do not think we can, it can ever get better, the resurrection gives us hope that it can. When we are in the midst of a day one or a day two or 
The resurrection gives us hope that day three is coming and victory is coming. Some of you, I close with this, probably know who Kay Arthur is. She's a writer, a lecturer. Many thousands of people around the world have been impacted by the Bible studies that are put out by Kay Arthur. She's a committed Christian woman, but she's not always been this way. Many years ago, she was in her 20s, and she was as far away from God as she could possibly be. She was living with her husband, who was a manic depressive, and she just got tired of living with him. She had an affair with a married man, and then when her husband found out, he became so depressed that he threatened suicide. In her story, with his suicide and when he threatened that, she was so crass, so uncaring that she told him, go ahead, kill yourself. I could use the insurance money. And he did. He hung himself. Kay Arthur said that as she drove away from the cemetery that day, she felt like such a failure as a wife, as a mother, as a person. She felt such anger and such frustration and such pain. And she said as she drove away, she shook her fist at the sky and she screamed, To hell with you, God! And she said, What I did not know until later was that is exactly what He did for me. He gave His life. He went to hell in my place took the punishment that I deserved and he did it for me. Listen, he did that for me and he also did it for you and for each one of us this morning. You know, maybe this morning you feel the same way. You need grace, you need forgiveness, and you need hope. I guarantee that you will find those nowhere else but in our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ would you pray with me loving father I thank you for this time I thank you for your word I thank you for how you 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 guide us and lead us I thank you Holy Spirit for touching our lives I thank you father for uh, the the risen Lord and the the empty tomb uh, the, the the fact that the that you raised Jesus Christ from the dead and the same power that raised him on that day will raise me. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you that in Jesus Christ we have hope for all eternity. Father, we love you. I pray that you would guide us through a decision time right where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I just want to thank you for joining us for worship this morning. And I want to ask you, are you in need of making a decision? Maybe a decision to receive Christ as your Savior. Maybe uh, to be assured of, of life after death, of, of spending an eternity with Jesus, that you too will rise again with Christ and be with God forever. You might say, well, I want to do that, but how do I do that? God promises in His Word 
that if we will believe in our heart that we are a sinner in need of a Savior, if you confess those sins to Him with your mouth and confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Son of God, claim Him as your Savior, you will be saved, inviting Him into your heart. Are you ready to follow Jesus Christ today? I mean, what a difference this day makes.